Well, good morning again, and welcome to all of you who are new to fellowship. Uh, welcome. We're so glad that you're here and a part of our church. And if you have been here maybe just a few times, we still want to make sure that you know just how glad we are to have you with us and pray that you're blessed uh, to be a part of, uh, of our service today and that you've already been blessed by being, by being with us. We move now into the time of uh, preaching the Word of God, and uh, this is an important part of our worship, uh, what we do each and every time we gather. Uh, we uh, submit ourselves to the authority of Scripture and believe that God works through that, teaches us, and helps us to grow and become more like Christ uh, through this time. And so that is something that we will continue to do as a church, and uh, we've been preaching through a series um, uh, as a church, our mission and our vision, and uh, our mission and vision is to be, uh, to be a worshiping and growing and serving church. And so uh, you've been hearing a little bit more about that. You heard from Pastor Carl and Pastor Tim, who shared uh, about, our, about our mission and vision with you. Um, and you heard about our commitment uh, to discipleship and our commitment to serving. And, I, and what I'd like to do today is I'd like to conclude uh, the series uh, today on, as we continue to talk about mission and vision, um, I want to look at the, the question of why community? Why community? That, that word community has, has many connotations to it. Uh, we talk about the communities that we live in. Uh, we use the word uh, community when we talk about specific groups of people, uh, like our workplace community, our sports community, the recreation uh, community, and, and there's different types of these as well, like a geographical community is really one that is defined by location, uh, but a social community is one that is defined by shared interests and likes. And so if you say, well, you know, you, if you live in the Back Mountain community, you may say, I like the Back Mountain community, and, and, and by that, what you typically mean is that you, you like the people uh, that, that live in the back mountain and, and what you share with them is that shared uh, geographical uh, location. And because you have that, you are in community with them. If you're, again, like in a social community, uh, like a business club, uh, the particular interest then is what is shared, not necessarily your geographical location. And you have that shared interest and that, that common interest. The same with being in a religious community or a church community. You have a belief system that is shared. The values are, are shared. And, and so the, the community that we're going to be talking about today is this church community. The, the community of believers in Christ. But, but for us, it's also geographical because we, we share location, that, that's in common for us. We share beliefs, we have the same uh, beliefs and, and, and doctrines that we hold to. And, and so that group of people, when you think of that group of people that have a shared location and these shared beliefs, when they're organized, when they're unified, when they're on point and they're on mission, this group of people can be the most powerful community on the earth. And that's what the scriptures teach. And that's what Jesus himself said. 
when, when he said that, that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, that's what he had in mind, a group of people united together in and through him on mission. And when that happens, they can't be stopped. They are a powerful group. And so when we look at this question, why community, I hope to answer that very clearly today. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to lead us. Lord God, we thank you again uh, for this day that we can be here together, gathered in worship, something that we should never take for granted, that this uh, is something that we get to do. We're, we're thankful that we have this opportunity. We, we pray, Lord, that you would bless this time and that the teaching, the truth, the word would go forth as you desire And Lord, I pray that you would give all of us ears to hear, to understand this design that you have given to us, one that has come uh, from a, a mind of wisdom, full wisdom, and maybe sometimes one we can't fully understand, but Lord, we pray that you would help us to do that, to understand, and to even know the part that we play in this wonderful community that you've called us into. So go before us now, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna start with our mission as a church, and I know you've, you've heard this already, you've seen this before, but uh, I need to start there. It says that we exist to pervade the back mountain, Wyoming Valley, and the world with the gospel uh, by making disciples who make disciples and who display the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in every phase of their lives. Now, if you notice that first word there, it says we, and, and that tells you something. It, it's, it's not I, it's not me, it, it's, it's we. we. Right away, you, you see that this is a community mission. It's a community mission for a certain group of people. And the mission for that group of people is to pervade. And that, that word means to spread throughout. And, and so it's, it's, it's this spreading throughout the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world. And so this community intends to spread. This community intends to grow, intends to multiply. It's, it's part of the mission. And so we understand here at Fellowship that we're in Dallas, Pennsylvania. That's our geographical location. And so we should obviously spread there first. That, that would make sense. And then, and then out to, you know, the Wyoming Valley and, and then to the world. And we reach the world through our, through our commitment to uh, global missions, uh, through our missionaries, people like uh, Mark and, and Debbie McLaughlin who are in Ethiopia. And that's just one example of, of missionaries that we support that are out across the globe spreading the gospel. But we're a part of that. And again, what are we spreading? Well, that's in this mission, the gospel, the the good news of Jesus Christ. That's clear, right? The good news, the true gospel, the spiritual, the, the, the spiritual scriptural gospel, the person, the life, the work of Jesus, the death, the resurrection, the reign, the kingdom, the return. The glory of Jesus Christ. All of these things are part of, of, this, of this good news that we intend to spread. And we're going to do this as a church by making disciples. 
And the kind of disciples we want to make are those who make other disciples. And these, these disciples can also be identified by a certain and particular feature. They glorify Christ and they do that in every phase of life, whatever phase of life they are in. And so if they're newlyweds, they glorify Christ in that phase of life. If, if they are retirees, they, they look at that phase of life and say, still here to glorify Christ. Multiple babies, young ones at home, still here to glorify Christ. You know, teenagers in the home, glorify Christ in that phase of life. Empty nesters, glorify Christ in that phase of life. Single. In that phase of life, married, that phase, it doesn't matter. No matter the phase of life that God has providentially put us in, we are committed to making disciples that seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what phase of life they are in. It's our desire. That's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bold one, but it's, it's our desire. And that leads to our vision so our mission is, is clear, and we believe that mission, again, is more than achievable, not on our own. Of course, we, we can't do a thing on our own, but in, in, the, in, in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's achievable. So how will we get there? Well, we, we, we say we're going to get there by being a worshiping, growing, and serving community of believers. We're going to be a worshiping community. And the worshiping community is one that declares the worth of God and his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been doing. You, you've, you've gathered today. Part of our worship, this, is a, this right here is the worshiping community. Part of the worshiping community. It's we've gathered together to worship God and we've been declaring the worth of God and the worth of his son, Jesus Christ. And we've been doing that in different ways. Music and song. We've also declared it through the Lord's table. And even, we've declared it even in our giving. We say something about what we believe the worth of God is in how we give. We, we're saying something about that. Either we think it's wor he's worthy uh, or we don't think he's worthy and it's reflected. So oh, there's so many different ways that in the worshiping community, we declare the worth of God. We're going to be a growing community. And that means that we've committed to being made into the likeness of Christ. And I think as a pastor, this is always a, a tough one because, you know, somebody comes into the church, uh, you sit down with them, you get to know them, you get to know their family. Maybe they, they go through the 411 class, they, they want to come uh, become members, we meet with them to talk about membership. And our, our assumption is you're here for us to help you be made into the likeness of Christ. Now, when we sign up for that, we're signing up for some challenge, right? Some difficulty. And, and, and that needs to be something that we as Christians embrace because we're trying to be made into the likeness of Christ. We're being open to how God is going to do that. And so many times God does that in ways you don't want him to. And sometimes he uses your church to do that. That's, that's how it works. 
Again, his design. We're going to be a serving community, serving in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And so what you see here is this is a, this is really is a Trinitarian vision. We're declaring the worth of God. We're being made into the likeness of the Son, and we're serving in and through the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And as a church community, what we're doing as your pastors and elders and leaders, we're saying, we're calling each of you who call Fellowship Church home, and we're saying, would you join us in, in each of these communities? Would you, would you join us in the worshiping community? Would you commit yourself to the growing community? Would you commit yourself to the serving community? Because we do all of this in community. We do all of it. We have a shared location, shared belief, shared salvation. We have Jesus in common. He unites us. Now I want to look at a passage of scripture that kind of ties all of this together. First John chapter one. I'll have it on the screen, but you can turn there in your Bibles. And if you've been a part of fellowship for a long time, you know that this scripture has had a long history and tradition with this church, even before, before I got here. And it says, first John chapter one, I want to read it, starting at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. This is such a beautiful passage. Concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest. It was revealed. And we have seen it. This is John writing, the apostle. We've seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Loaded with theology there, what John understands about Jesus. That he came from the Father, that he existed beforehand and he was sent. All these things are built in there. Verse 3, that, we, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is joyful stuff here. This is, this is joyful news. So, how does this powerful passage speak into our mission and vision? I want, to, I want to give you three ways that it speaks into our mission and vision. First one is this. The worshiping community sees God for who he is as he has been revealed. So as we tie it to this text, we see that which we have seen. When we gather for worship... We want to see God for who he is, right? Like we, we want to see his power. We want to see his majesty. We want to see his glory. And there is something very special and unique about the gathered church coming together for that to happen. Not saying God can't do that and doesn't do it outside of the church gathering in his name. But the church gathering in his name is a very special and unique thing that he takes great pleasure in. And so when we gather, we, we, we want to see him. That which we have seen. 
the growing community hears the truth of God for what it is, truth from God. That which we have heard. So to, to, to really be a part of the growing community, you, you've got you've to be able to say, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear the truth of God for what it is. Truth from God. When we grow into the likeness of Christ, that happens because we hear God's truth and we agree with God that it is truth and we allow that truth to transform us. So, so the growing community is a hearing community. The worshiping community is a seeing community because they're looking to see God for who he is. The growing community is looking to hear God and hear his truth for what it is. And then the serving community proclaims what they saw and heard through selflessly serving their Lord and Savior. Verse 3 again, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. And when we serve the Lord in the way that we're called to, and we do that selflessly, we are proclaiming to the world that we have seen him for who he is. We have heard his truth. It's transforming us. And we are allowing that truth now to come out of us in the way that we serve our Lord. And of course, we proclaim it with our mouths also. Verbally, we proclaim it with our lives and how we live. But the serving aspect is a big part of how we proclaim this truth. And so, so by worshiping, growing, and serving, we're, we seek to see, we, we seek to hear, and we seek to proclaim this Jesus. And not our version of Jesus. Right, we've talked about this before because there are many versions of Jesus out there right now. It's not my Jesus, it's the Jesus revealed. That's why this text is such a powerful text because what John is saying is the one that we saw, the one that we heard, the one that we touched with our own hands, that we saw with our own eyes, that's the Jesus we're talking to you about. I don't know what Jesus you heard about. I don't know what Jesus he's talking about, but I know the Jesus I'm telling you about. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're saying we're going to give to you the Jesus revealed in the scriptures. But there's a lot of other versions around. It's not the Jesus I know, which I saw as a new book that's out, the Jesus I know. And it's basically just, hey, y'all, well, we're going to, it's going to basically be our version of Jesus. It's not the Jesus I know, it's the Jesus revealed. It's big difference. That's the Jesus we need to know. It's not the Jesus I created, it's the Jesus revealed, the one who was seen and heard. That Jesus. So why do we proclaim this Jesus? Why do we do that? Well, the one that we've seen and heard. Why do we proclaim the one that we've seen and heard? Well, so that others may have true fellowship with us just as we have true fellowship with the Father and the Son 
And of course, if we're fellowshipping with the Father and the Son, it's also fellowship with the Spirit of God. Look look again at verse 3. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so what John is doing here is John is inviting people into fellowship. Not not our church. That would be pretty cool though, right? John was talking about fellowship in Dallas. But no, he's inviting people into fellowship. And that word there in the Greek is koinonia. He's inviting people into koinonia, into community. And, and, and that's, that word is an important word uh, that you see in your Bible uh, in the English as fellowship. Because that Greek word Koinonia has been translated into several different English words in the New Testament. So you have a Greek word that sometimes is translated as one word and another word and another word in different places because of the depth of that word and, and the lack of being able to find one single English word that sums it all up. So again, in the New Testament, it's been translated into four different English words, and each of these words will help fill out the meaning of what koinonia means. So what are those four words? Fellowship is one, sharing is another, participation is another, and common is another. So every time that word koinonia is used in the Greek, the translators are, depending on its use, are saying, well, it, it means fellowship here. It means sharing. Oh, it means participation. It means common. And you can see how these words come together. John is inviting people into fellowship, into sharing, into participation, into something common. And so back to our vision, the worshiping, growing, and serving happens in community doesn't happen alone it happens in the sharing it happens in the fellowship it happens in the participation it happens in the commonality that we have together now if you notice again in the text you'll see that John is not inviting them into individual growth on their own He's not inviting them into personal solitude with God. He didn't say, you know, go up on a mountaintop, just you and God, and just stay up there till Jesus returns. No, it's not, it's not that. He's inviting them into koinonia. And, and, and that's what each of us have been invited into. So when you think of your own Christian life, whether you realize it or not, Because it depends maybe on how you were discipled or how you heard the gospel. You might think you were invited into something between just you and God. And there is a personal aspect to it. But you were invited into something much, much more than that. You were invited into koinonia with other believers because their fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and with the Spirit. And so it all comes and goes together. And so Fellowship Church exists to help you, to help others worship, grow, and serve the Lord in true koinonia, in true biblical community. That's what we're trying to do. And, and you may even get frustrated wondering sometimes, 
why is the church always trying to pull me into community? I just want to serve God alone. Don't they know how much I love God? You know, like those pastors, they just don't stop trying. And that's, I want you to understand, this is why we have a, we have a scriptural, biblical mandate. It's not my idea. Not my idea. Not Pastor Carl's, Tim's, Nick's. It's not. It's, this, is the, this is the Lord's idea. This is how the Lord sees his church. A group of people in community. A group that shares location. In this case, the local church. And a group that shares belief, shares, shares doctrine, truths, and shares this good news. And so you think about what's more powerful. People united in belief, but everyone doing their own thing. Or people in a common location, sharing a common mission and a common vision. So I want you to know that a lot of times, especially you who are in ministry leadership and you're talking to us as your pastors and we're asking questions about different things that you're doing, it's not about control. It's about unifying us in mission and vision, which we are responsible to God to do. And so we're trying to do that in a way that keeps us on point with how God is leading us as a church. And Jesus, he seemed to think that this shared location, shared mission, shared vision would be quite powerful, which again is why the church and the local church is his idea and his means of accomplishing his mission on earth. So what does all of this mean for our church, for fellowship Church. What does a local community of believers in Dallas, Pennsylvania, that, that's united in mission, united in vision, what, is it, what does that look like? What, what, what does a church like that share in common? Well, we share, we share faithfulness. We, we share commitments to God, commitments to our Lord, commitments to our King. And what I'd like to do now is just, is just share some of those commitments with you. I listed seven of them that I could say we as a church are committed to that you, if you call Fellowship Church home, or maybe you're newer and you're praying about that and you're thinking about that, well, you're getting, you're getting a good idea of what it is that we believe as a church, so you could think about these things. But what we're saying is we would like you to understand what it is that we are committed to as a church. So the first is this commitment to gospel centered ministry as a church. Commitment to gospel centered ministry as a church. As a church, as a fellowship of believers, we, we commit to God to remain a church that is committed to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ as it has been revealed. We're committed to that being central to all that we do as a church. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to have a gospel presentation and an altar call at every church event. Doesn't mean that, but what it does mean is that we will never sacrifice gospel fidelity, faithfulness to the gospel for social or cultural acceptance. And I think that's an important distinction because you can do 
tons and tons of gospel presentations while also not remaining faithful to the gospel. They don't, they don't mean the same thing. So all of our ministries, all of our service, all of our discipleship, our teaching, our worship, we want it to be gospel-centered, and we want to commit to that as a church. And we are. We're committed to that. A commitment to God-centered worship. Second, we commit to remain faithful to worship that's focused on God and his worth and his glory. That which we have seen. And so when we gather each week here in this place, we come not to focus on ourselves or even our own problems, but or our own achievements, but we commit to worship that's focused on God on his worth, on his majesty, because what that helps us do is it helps us put our lives into perspective and it helps us put our problems into perspective because the enemy wants you to take your problem and see God through your problem. The spirit wants you to see your problem through your God. And there's a very big difference. And so worship should help you do that. Worship should help you see everything you're going through through the truth of who your God is, the wonder, the splendor of who your God is. And so we need to see him. Don't you come here on Sundays, sometimes after a really difficult week, and you're walking in here and you're saying, I need to, I need to see God. I need to hear from God today, right? Well, that's what we want. We, but to do that, we need to be focused on him, centered on him. And that's what we seek to do. And again, this is not to say that we aren't uh, or are perfect in any of these because we aren't. But that is our desire to do that. Third, a commitment to making disciples in community. And you heard Pastor Carl share about this uh, two weeks ago. We're committed to making disciples and to do that in community together. Because we just see that that's how the scripture lays this out. And... And disciples are different than converts. We're not, we're not just looking to produce converts. First of all, only the Spirit of God converts and only the Spirit of God regenerates people from being dead in sin to being alive to God. So, so because God is the one who does that, we can't do that anyway. We proclaim, we make it known, and, we, and, and by doing that, we allow the Spirit of God to, or the Spirit of God uses that to, to accomplish his purpose and will. But what he's called us to is to very vigorous disciple-making. And we pursue that disciple-making in community together, in koinonia together. So we want to stay committed to making disciples in community. Fourth, a commitment to serving the Lord and his church with our gifts, our skills, and our talents. And you heard, you heard this last week from Pastor Tim and Uh, He was looking at John 13 and Jesus said in John 13, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Now, why did Jesus say that? He, He said it because sometimes he's foreseeing that his servants are gonna think we're greater than our master. That's why he said that. And then what did Jesus do in that story? Well, he humbly served. The example there was the washing of feet. But the point is that Jesus is making is don't get to a place where you think you're greater than your master. And how 
is that expressed? Well, that's expressed through those who do not serve in the way the master served. So that's how we identify whether we are falling into the trap of becoming one who thinks that we're greater than our master is is reflected in how we're approaching serving. And so really those who would see no need to serve the Lord, to serve his church or to serve others in the way that Jesus did would be those that would see themselves as greater than their master. And so as a koinonia, as as a fellowship, we're committed to serving the Lord serving his church, serving others, our community, the world around us in the way that Jesus did because we're not greater than our master. He's greater. And we want to follow his example. Fifth, commitment to God's truth and cultural engagement with that truth. We, as a church, we're committed to remaining faithful to God's truth, the truth of God and the truth of God's word. And we are also committed into to bringing that truth into the culture. We, we need to engage the culture with that truth. Um, and, and what we're seeing is, is that if we're not prepared for that, the culture is very much getting prepared to engage us with their truth. That's happening. So we, we need to do this and we need to be committed to this as a church and we need to do so with courage because it's taking courage to do this and we need to do it with skill. And so I think this is going to require strong and very courageous disciples to be able to do this. I think we're going to need to be, know the word and then we're going to need to be courageous because it's probably not going to go well to speak truth into this culture. And so what, what, when we break this down, what does it mean? Well, it means that we have to be committed to some very specific things that the culture is engaging with, like God's creational design for the family as the church. We need to see the family, uh, you know, focus on the family, didn't invent that. Like this came, this is God's design, the family. And, and so we, we hold to the, to the, to the, to the values of the family as God has designed it to be. And so we need to, we need to engage with that. God's creational design for marriage. We need to understand how the way that God has designed marriage to work. And we as a church are, are, are committed to working with young, uh, young couples. I've had plenty of opportunities to do uh, weddings and premarital. And the reason for that is to help young people understand before they're married what marriage is biblically before God. Because you're not going to get that in a culture and in society. We need to remain committed to God's creational design for sex. Because that's completely changing in our culture and in our society for gender, what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and to embrace both of those uh, for what they are in terms of how God has laid it out, not how, not how the culture has or society has and for life itself, very life itself. We need to, all, all of these things are things that we need to be committed to. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And, and, and we believe that he has come and he is leading us into all truth in these matters. We just have to follow him. And to follow him is dangerous. 
and to follow him is, is risky. And, and, and I think if there's one thing I want you to, to get from this point is that to be, a, to be a Christian today, you are going to need to take a stand. And you're going to need to stand for truth. And, and I don't know what that means for you or, or, or your, 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 your network of friends or your job or things like that. Because it's so, it's things, the way things are happening today. But we need to remain faithful and we need to engage the culture with that truth. And so we're trying to do that as a church. We're trying to do that from the pulpit. We've talked about things from this uh, stage and, and the one that was in the gym. We've talked about different hard things uh, over the past several years. We want to continue to do that, but we're doing it in different ways too. I, I think our podcast is a great way for if you, if you have not yet subscribed to that, we're trying to communicate to you in different ways. And we're putting things out there that are speaking truth into cultural issues uh, through our podcast, like uh, the, the Faith Perspectives, uh, a whole series that we're doing that talks about sanctity of human life. We've talked about the Equality Act. We've talked about social justice, the Taking a Stand series. There's so many different things that we're trying to put out there, theology discussions to help you in these areas and more. We want to do more of it in different ways, and we will seek to do that. Sixth, commitment to being a gospel witness to our community and to the world. You know, I... I've never seen it as an accident that our church is located in Dallas, Pennsylvania on Hildebrandt Road. And maybe it's just because I've known a little bit of the story of how we ended up here with that first group of families that in faith trusted God to purchase property here. But I really see it as divine providence that God has put us here and he's put us here for a reason. He means for us to be a witness here where we are. Um, and uh, we're at a great location. We're, we're right next to the entire Dallas school district. We have people driving by uh, our church all the time. And so we have the opportunity as a church to be a gospel witness in this community. I want you to think about something just to kind of let it uh, go through your mind. Should this church impact how this community lives, does business, conducts itself socially, all these things. And my answer to that is yes. I, I think if we're, if we're pervading, if we're spreading, we're gonna, it's going to impact the community. And I hope that that's something that you, you think about in our, in our community. And you may not live in the Back Mountain or in Dallas, but wherever you are, wherever it is that you are, and I don't, want you to get, I don't want you to get the impression or the thought that you have to be a pastor or a missionary either to do this. Not everybody is called to full-time Christian ministry. And I think one of the things that sometimes we get wrong is that the only way you're really going to serve God is if you go into full-time Christian ministry. Some of you, God has, has given you gifts and skills to use in the workplace that you should absolutely use there. He wants you there. But go in there with that thought that God has given me this opportunity and I'm going to be a witness right here. I'm going to be a witness in the, in the healthcare field. I'm going to be a witness in the, in the business, uh, you know, in, in my place of business, in meetings, wherever it is. Whatever skill it is that God has given you, commit it to him and be a witness where it is that he has you. So we want to bring the gospel to our community. We want to bring it to the world, but we also want to bring it 
to our, our community. We're, we're, we're not just going to be concerned about global missions and not be concerned also about our mission uh, to the very place that God has, has put us. So we'll bring the gospel across the world, but we'll also bring the gospel across the street. Like we, we need to do both. And finally, seventh is commitment to godly living in this present age. Commitment to godly living in this present age. We talked about this a lot when we went through the series in Titus last, last year. We recognize, again, that each of us make up the community that we're in. And, and that means that, that you're living, I want you to think about this, the way that Koinonia works for, for Christians is how the things you do, the way you live, it affects all of us, and how we do it affects you. We, we affect each other. It's, it's part of being in community. This is what's difficult about it. This is what's challenging about it. And it's why we need the spirit of God to be the one superseding all of it. So yeah, we must be committed to living godly lives individually. Because it impacts the community and, and ourselves. And we recognize that we're called to live godly lives in this present age. We're called to live godly lives in this present age. Please don't think that you're alive at this time of the world by accident. In other words, what's happening in the world around us, God knew, foreknew, is not surprised, is not a bit worried, and has us here alive at this present time, which means he means to use us. He means to use you. So, so you, can take, you can take comfort in that. And, and some of you may say, well, Pastor, I don't take a lot of comfort in that because I don't know how he wants to use me. It makes me a little nervous. Uh, but this is, this is the joy of serving the Lord because we submit ourselves to him and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Like, I don't know. What, what is it you're calling me to do? But whatever it is, I, I want to I be available. So let's look at the fact that we're here at this time in this present age for a purpose. And God has called us to live godly lives. Titus 2.11, uh, we went over this, but let me remind you of it. For the grace of God has appeared. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. That, we talked about that word. That, 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 that's that hard work of discipleship, training us to renounce ungodliness. We're done with ungodliness, done with worldly passions. We're going to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the very present age that God has us in. And that's what Titus 2, 11 and 12 says. So why community? That's how we started. Why community? Well, it's because we have seen, we have heard and what we have seen and what we have heard, we proclaim. And why do we proclaim? So that you, others, may have koinonia with us. Others may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is indeed with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So why community? Because Jesus has called us into fellowship together, into koinonia together, and may we as a church remain committed to that community together, to that fellowship, and to the things that the Lord has called us 
too. That's my prayer for all of us as we embrace this mission and vision that we have as a church. And I'm excited that we have so many others God is bringing to us because I, I see all of you as, as coming and God saying you are going to be a part of what it is that God wants to do here. And so we're, we're excited to see how that's going to happen and how that's going to play out. Let me just read this text again, and then I'll close us in prayer. First John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, we thank you so much for calling us into fellowship. And Lord God, as you have called us now, we are to go and call others into fellowship. And how do we do that? By proclaiming that which we've seen and that which we've heard. And we do so courageously with boldness, Lord. Help us to do that in this present age, in the world that you've called us to live in. Help us, Lord, as a church to be the witness you've called us to be. Help us to remain committed to these commitments that we talked about today, Lord, because Apart from you, we won't be able to do it, but with you, it will all be possible. So go before us, Lord God, we pray, and continue to lead us in our lives as we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.